Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Friday, February 11th. Coming up on the show today, there are other sporting events taking place in the state of Tennessee. we got some college basketball up in Knoxville between Tennessee and Vanderbilt. We'll hear from Jeremy K. Gober about who he thinks the best and worst matchups are in the playoffs for the National Predators. But we begin today with two major Super Bowl topics. How should Tennessee Titans fans be watching both of these teams? What can they learn from the Rams and the Bengals? And I've got a couple of Super Bowl party rants i got to go on. I want to remind everybody that the Our Kids Soup Sunday event coming up on February 20th at Nissan Stadium, that tickets are on sale. All of the proceeds go to benefit Our Kids, of course, a child sexual abuse charity here in Nashville that is committed to taking care of the children of Middle Tennessee. I've been on the board for five or six years. Um, the Kingston Group, of course, is gracious enough to donate this time on this show to Our Kids to support this event. Go buy tickets. Supplies are limited. Kids can get in for five bucks. It's a great family event. It is dozens of the best soups in nashville unique creative chefs doing awesome work all of the proceeds go to help kids of course in middle tennessee that are affected by sexual abuse so go check it out it's a great event there are still tickets available right now but i don't know for how long you can purchase them ourkidscenter.com is the website that's ourkidscenter.com go buy some tickets everybody all right i'll see you there so what lessons or theories should tennessee titans fans be holding in the back of their heads while watching the super bowl this sunday Number one, and yes, I know this is a dead horse, but Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow are number one overall pick talents, and there's a reason they're playing in the Super Bowl. Because they are special quarterbacks with rare abilities, and no matter how many times you argue with me on Twitter, Ryan Tannehill will never have Matthew Stafford's ability, ever. It doesn't mean he can't win a title. He can. But I have a feeling that Stafford and Burrow are going to put on a show on Sunday, and it's only going to make the Titans' deficiencies at the position all the more evident. However, it's not all Tannehill's fault. Knowing that he's definitely going to be the starting quarterback for the Titans for at least one more season, what else can you learn from the Super Bowl? That the Rams and Bengals have been extremely willing to stockpile offensive weaponry to help their quarterbacks as much as possible. Cincinnati clearly could have drafted a defensive player or an offensive lineman last year to protect Joe Burrow. Lord knows he needs it. But they invested heavily in their offensive weaponry in a different way by using the fourth overall pick to give him an elite number one receiver in Jamar Chase. And by doing that, it makes T. Higgins a number two instead of a number one and Tyler Boyd a perfect slot receiver and a number three instead of a number two. The Rams went against all grains to bring in Odell Beckham, who was supposed to be the team's number three before Robert Woods got hurt. They also acquired Sony Michelle in a trade, a former first-round pick, and drafted Cam Akers. So both the Rams and Bengals have used a similar strategy of surrounding their big star quarterback with tons of elite weapons. In fact, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Joe Mixon, Beckham, Akers, Michelle, and Robert Woods were all first- or second-round picks. That is eight skill weapons taken in the top two rounds, and Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. You want to help your quarterback out? Invest in some top-flight talent to support them. Without Jonu Smith or Julio Jones, this Titans team basically has A.J. Brown, and that's about it. Without Derrick Henry, this team had to turn to literally the streets for running back talent. So the second lesson here is that the Titans this offseason need to invest in some young explosive talent to put around Ryan Tannehill and give the guy some more help and a better chance to win. Another lesson, should the Rams win, is that draft picks simply maybe don't mean as much as people think. The Titans have gotten almost literally zero snaps from their last two first-round draft picks, and they were still the best team in the AFC this year. 
The Rams have shown us that established pro-level talent is worth giving up draft capital to acquire, but those players better be worth it. Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and some others have been very expensive, but they have panned out. There is a reason that no one else was willing to pay more than a second-round pick for Julio Jones. And lastly, and this is something fans don't really need to hear, but it does bear repeating, hire a young, innovative head coach like Sean McVay or Zach Taylor. The Titans did just that with Mike Vrabel, and it has paid off in spades. And what should all of this information tell me if I'm a Titans fan? That they're damn stinking close. They've got the head coach. They've got a couple of the weapons. They need a little bit more. They need to support their quarterback a little bit better and give this team a chance to succeed. They invested in a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball last year, and it worked. There's a pretty clear plan this offseason for what this Titans team needs. All you got to do is watch the game on Sunday. As a side note, just a few hot takes here on Super Bowl parties and food for the big game. Two things that just drive me insane. Number one, there is no such thing as a boneless wing. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. That is just a chicken tender masquerading as a boneless wing because it has good PR. Chicken wings have bones in them, period. They have more flavor. I do not want an unnatural lump of chicken that I have no idea where it came from. Boneless chicken wings, not a real thing. Chicken wings have bones in them, and they probably should be spicy at the same time. Although, I don't discriminate. I'll basically eat any chicken wing put in front of me. So, that's number one. Number two, pizza is not a Super Bowl party watch-the-game food. It is. It does not count. I can't explain to you why it doesn't count. It just doesn't count. You don't just get to go to the store and buy four pies and show up at your Super Bowl party and feed a bunch of people by telling them to grab a slice. That's not a Super Bowl food. It's like a Thursday night football food. You know, it's okay to have pizza all the time, but it's not a Super Bowl party food. There needs to be like some dips involved or some some fried foods or like pizza doesn't count. I can't explain why, but it just doesn't count. Pizza, when you see internet memes about picking your favorite foods for Super Bowl parties, I don't know why I'm yelling right now, but pizza doesn't count. It is not a Super Bowl party food. It's just like a regular watch football party food. Chicken wings, nachos, sliders, fried cheese, queso, guacamole, salsa, quesadillas would count. I might even give you a charcuterie tray or a vegetable tray, but I'm not giving you pizza. It doesn't count as a Super Bowl party food, so don't tell me it's your favorite Super Bowl party food. Enough of that crap. End sidebar. End of rant. Obviously, it's Super Bowl weekend, but there actually are a few other sporting events that are taking place in the state of Tennessee, and we'll get to some SEC basketball and some Memphis Grizzlies basketball in just a second. However, the Nashville Predators are at home on Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets in a critical divisional game after coming off a loss to the Dallas Stars 4-3 on Wednesday evening. And seeing this team play Dallas and Winnipeg in the division back-to-back, of course, they're going to welcome Peter Laviolette and the Washington Capitals back to town on Tuesday of next week. But watching them play against two divisional teams does raise some interesting questions about what types of matchups would be the best for the Nashville Predators in the postseason and which types of matchups would be the worst. Dallas clearly plays a game that I don't like as a matchup as a Nashville Predators fan. But what about the rest of the postseason? What about the other teams that are in the race? Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, the other teams that Nashville could play in the first or second round. And so on the Gold Standard podcast this week, I asked Jeremy K. Gover, filling in for Adam Vingan, exactly which matchups he would like to see for the Nashville Predators and which matchups he would not want to see. Well, first of all, Colorado scares the crap out of you, right? You don't want to you don't want to play Colorado in any fashion whatsoever. So if they somehow slide down to the eighth spot. Uh, they're going to be in big trouble. But I, I do like the, ma- the Minnesota matchup a lot. And I say that because they've got some talent. 
uh, for sure. But they don't necessarily, I mean, they got, and some guys like Hartman, you know, like I get Greenway, Dumba, they play, you know, they play a heavy game. But overall, they're a skill team. And I'd like to see uh, the Predators play them. I don't. I don't like Minnesota's goaltending, regardless of what the numbers say. And and I just. I just think that Nashville is primed to beat them. Vegas is the tough one for me, because we haven't seen Vegas's full complement yet. It's kind of like the Titans in the regular season, right? Where we never saw Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, and Julio Jones all together on this field at the same time. It's kind of like that, right? That you've got. You know, Mark Stone was. He's healthy now, but he he had some time. Marshall says had some time. Eichel's been on the shelf since the trade, obviously, uh, from Buffalo. And so they intrigue me a little bit. Now, their goaltending is suspect as well as Minnesota. So they're beatable, but they're so loaded every other place. It's like kind of of like Colorado, actually, where they can beat you eight to to five. You know, those old Pittsburgh Penguins teams of of the early 90s, you know. St. Louis is a tricky one because I haven't watched them a lot this season. But what I have seen of them has not impressed me as like, oh, they're a true contender let's put it this way in a seven game series i would take nashville nine times out of ten against oh, okay Louis. i guess my point is, is that it's just i i like their skill right now the predators for a, a playoff matchup short of again vegas or, or colorado but they have the extra component now of we're not afraid to back down we're going to go after it we're going to the dirty areas we don't care we're driving the puck possession and we're going to knock you off the puck on the four check. And they've got all those things now that they didn't have two or three years ago. For a much longer conversation about all of the potential matchups for the Nashville Predators, some more Forsberg trade talk, and much more, make sure you check out the Gold Standard Podcast covering the Nashville Predators everywhere you get your podcasts. In basketball news, Tennessee will host Vanderbilt on Saturday night in Knoxville at 5 p.m. Central Time. The Vols have won five straight in the SEC and are sitting at 8-3, tied for third place in the conference, just one game back of Kentucky for second place. Meanwhile, Vanderbilt has won 13 games overall and five games in the league. They're 5-6 this season, both high-water marks for Jerry Stackhouse in his third year on West End. Essentially, both Vanderbilt and Tennessee are playing some of their best basketball right now, and after a chippy, bizarre, very entertaining, but poorly officiated game in Nashville a few weeks ago that went the way of the Volunteers, well, I wouldn't count Scottie Pippen Jr. out, and we could get one hell of a basketball game on Saturday afternoon at Thompson Bowling Arena. This is a rivalry that is good for the state, it's good for the SEC, it's good for college basketball, and seeing how hard Vanderbilt plays and the job Jerry Stackhouse has done to make that team better over the course of the last year, year and a half, two years, well, I think we're going to see a pretty close game on Saturday night. Tennessee should win, they're at home, but this is going to be a battle, and I cannot wait to see the future of Vanderbilt and Tennessee basketball. Elsewhere, number one Auburn will host Texas A&M. Arkansas is trying to keep it rolling as they are tied with Tennessee in the SEC at 8-3. and three. They will be at Alabama over the weekend. And finally, Kentucky will host a Florida team that I really have no clue how good they are from week to week. And in the NBA, of course, out west, the Memphis Grizzlies will travel to Charlotte on Saturday night for their lone contest of the weekend. That just about covers it for your basketball slate this weekend. As a reminder, of course, the 440 is brought to you this week by Our Kids Soup Sunday event coming up February the 20th. The best chefs and best restaurants in Nashville competing dozens and dozens of soups for you to try. Tickets are $25. OurKidsCenter.com. They're on sale. Supplies are limited. Again, that's February 20th, Soup Sunday. All of the proceeds benefiting Our Kids, of course, a nonprofit specializing in child sexual abuse here in Nashville. And of course, again, special thanks to the Kingston Group for donating their time on this show to the wonderful folks at Our Kids. 
Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Make sure you check out Lamestream Sports with Jason Fitz this week. Had a great time. Got lots of Auburn stuff on the Fringe Element podcast for SEC football fans. Jeremy K. Gover in for Adam Vingan on the Gold Standard. So lots of great stuff. And enjoy the Super Bowl, of course. Again, thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 444 Friday, February 11th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.